Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Hustle podcast. My name is Rodney Hu. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Joel Bocas, and he is a digital health influencer, expert, and keynote speaker in wearable technology, and is a globally recognized business thought leader, mentor, advisor, and entrepreneur with 25 plus years of business acumen. So with that being said, I'm excited to have him on and learn more about his journey and what he's doing in healthcare. So that being said, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rodney. Nice to see you. And um, before we go ahead, happy new year. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. No problem. No problem. Thanks for jumping on. So yeah, let's just uh, jump right into it. Why don't you give people a quick background of um, who you are, kind of how you got into the whole wearables technology space? Sure, sure. So yeah, my name is Joe Bocas. So I'm Portuguese, moved to England in 2001. Actually, my background is in professional sport, but the last 20 years I've been working in healthcare. I've always been in sport, health, and wellness. Uh, I was in corporate wellness for over 15 years, but I tell you the story how I really got involved in health tech and um, and wearables. Back in 2015, I was already doing some um, consultancy work with some companies, especially from the Nordics, from Finland, that have technologies for the wellness and employee engagement, employee well-being with regards to software technology back then. But in 2015, um, I was doing a healthcare startup with a business partner, and we had the big plan to have a data analytics platform to gather all the data from wearables and then create meaningful insights in terms of breaking the data down and do predictive analytics. So 2016 kind of brought me into the digital health revolution, if you like. Ah, okay, okay. And so you kind of got into this whole digital health thing back in 2016. Is when you did, what kind of caught your attention? What kind of made you gravitate towards wearables? Was there like one thing that kind of stuck out to you that really captured your interest? Well, I was, as I mentioned, I was already in professional sports and I was in health and fitness and I was also um, advising companies on uh, employee well-being in terms of um, engagement, wellness engagement programs. I was doing uh, corporate wellness workshops in London and I was working with a couple of large and small clients, but I had a channel for in London. I was doing um, stress management workshops, resilience stuff and all around wellness. But uh, as I mentioned, when we were doing the startup, I was starting to get in touch with the main wearables manufacturers and uh, contacting them. We have this idea about alongside the the health tech platform to create an e-commerce wearables kind of business to go along where people could buy a wearable. And my job back then, I was the business guy and doing the business development. I was contacting um, the wearables people to get uh, partnerships and everything. So I started to use wearables. I started to contact the main manufacturers. I started to kind of get them on my books and do business with them. And then from them, things just progress. And then I start 
getting a bit of a name in the digital health industry and things just evolve from there really okay okay it's interesting because your professional background as like as an athlete right and so when you think of wearables and you think about health and fitness as an athlete you want to be able to track and monitor all the important benchmarks as far as your data and so when you think of wearables the main consumer you think of like fitbit or some sort of like apple watch or galaxy watch is are these the kind of wearables that you're kind of, you're talking about or is there something more advanced that kind of captures your attention yeah the, the consumer wearables are also changing now i mean back then i'm rodney i'm from the times that over 10 15 years ago where do you have the pedometers we took with the 10,000 steps on a single digit, you know? Do you remember mm. those? Yeah, okay. You them around your waistline and it was a big deal. <laughs> and then from there, we move into the fitness trackers, the, the, the wearables bands, the fitness bands, if you like. Today, I mean, today it, it's very different because today I feel like for the sake of the argument that perhaps we are like in a third or fourth generation of wearables because back then was very basic about measuring and monitoring steps and physical activity. Now they certainly much more advanced and you see, we mentioned professional sports in terms of sports performance, now wearables that measure levels of recovery, even prevention of injuries. But some of the wearables now, we have the consumer side, but on the medical side, they're very advanced. And it's not just about smart watches i was talking to a, a very very famous fitness trainer last week a celebrity trainer and he said to me oh wearables smart watches well wearables are not just smart watches and also i think the wearables now are really moving away from smart watches because we have the sensors we have things such as smart belts we have the smart rings. I mean, it, 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 it's, so much, it's so much going on now that the wearables are in many shapes and forms. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you're talking like everybody as far as companies, influencers, fitness experts. And so you kind of have a holistic view of kind of what's going on in the industry. And so as the wearables guy, what sort of trends are you seeing? Like, is there any direction where you see wearables going towards? Yeah, certainly. Well, I, I've been saying, Rodney, I've been saying since 2016, uh, this is the year of wearables, 2016, 2017, <laughs> 2018. I've been saying that for the last five, six years. But I truly believe that 2021 will be really the year of wearables for a couple of reasons. One, the mass market adoption is there in terms of the consumer wearables. You see, for example, the uh, Garmin and Apple, uh, Samsung, YY, now they have the smartwatches. The consumer market is actually growing 30% year on year on. So it's very, uh, people are using wearables they're interested in their health and well-being and everything and then we have the medical side where there is so much innovation going on and wearables are taking a different uh, stake now are really enables and also i think there will be a kind of an essential piece of the healthcare delivery of the future because you can remote monitoring people you can get data insights without being in a room the other day i was talking to another uh, influencer and 
he was saying that there's a lady in Massachusetts doing an innovation that you can you can gather information from one room, like remote remote gathering of information from another another room, and that's like groundbreaking because you have sensors, you have now connectivity that enables to do really groundbreaking things. You know. Awesome, that's awesome. So you said you you said wearables were the future back in 2016. And so we're a couple years down the road and I feel like there's still a lot of potential for wearables. And so when you're thinking about wearables, what sort of obstacles, I guess, do you think the industry needs to overcome to kind of increase that mass market adoption that you're seeing? Because I know as far as like from a consumer standpoint, you see a lot of people doing that, but is there any sort of resistance from like the healthcare side of things? And How's that working? Yeah, you, you mentioned you mentioned to me with regards to the trends. I want to mention I didn't kind of mention that, but I want to see we are in. Um, I love the fashion tech side of things because we talk about, for example, the smart rings, the smart belts, smart shoes, where you can kind of combine. That's why I believe we are kind of moving away from the only wristband based uh, wearables. So that's very exciting, a fashion tech, if you like. Um, another big trend that I've been seeing is femtech, uh, women's health innovation, where you can have a wearable to gather the best, for example, the best period of the month to conceive, to become pregnant, or to control your um, uh, menstrual cycles. There are so many things now appearing in the marketplace, really groundbreaking innovation around women's health. But the sensing technologies that have been there for quite some time now are very advanced. And we're seeing the sensors with much more capability, being smaller, um, uh, with a better battery life, and they can go anywhere. You see, for example, smart clothing now is a big trend. You can have a shirt or a piece of clothing that has a, has a sensor and all these capabilities are there. It doesn't have to be on your wrist. But with regards to the barriers that you mentioned, I actually done a 159 pages report last year, about a year project. And one of the things that we found was in terms of um, barriers, device barriers, we have security issues, we have interoperability issues in terms of communication. I mean, and we also have um, mistrust from the user. From the user perspective, we have another couple of barriers that are important. The long-term engagement is always an issue with wearables because we are human beings. We forget to use them. We leave them on the top of the fridge. We forget to <laughs> charge them. I mean, it seems very uh, normal, but it, that's the that's the reality. But also, one of the things, the gaps that are also in in places, the health education is always a missing link with regards to wealth. And with regards to wearables, some of the, you don't have much guidance and you don't have like a, a truly personalized approach because every, everybody's different, right? You might use a wearable, I mean, I'm interested in my sleep, I'm not interested in my steps, for example. For you, it might be different. So the personalization and support is extremely, extremely important. And I think that is a big barrier still in wearable space. Mm, okay. That makes sense. And so 
you kind of mentioned some variables that we need to jump over, but what sort of advice would you have for these wearable companies when they're trying to reach the market, whether it's the consumers or the healthcare organizations? And how do you get people excited about healthcare technology and wearable technology? Oh, yeah, that's a big, that's a big question. Certainly some, some big companies are doing really well because they, I mean, we don't, I'm, I'm brand agnostic, but uh, you see the likes of Fitbit and Garmin, the big players, they're constantly innovating. They coming out with the second, third generations of the wearable. They become a bit sexier. They have a personalized um, personalization color in sizes and in, in fashion. So, but I also, I mentioned that missing link in terms of the support. I think one, one important thing is making people understand in a simplistic way to increase the intrinsic motivation, why they are actually getting wearable, how to maximize the use of a wearable. You know, so I know we all have the instructions and the, the main things how to connect them, set them up and everything, but perhaps uh, a bit more around how to maximize the usage, how to make the, the interaction a bit easier. Uh, I see one of the large brands, for example, last year, they bought a coaching company because the coaching and the well, I mean, the human behavior, the behavioral change is the trick. Everybody thinks I get the wearable, I'm going to lose 30 pounds or 20 pounds or uh, and, and the wearable on its own is not going to make the miracle. The miracle lies with the human being, with us modifying our behavior. So I think it's a big piece around behavior modification, education, engagement. I think the companies should really uh, give that some thought. Mm, okay. So really, ideally, you want to build a community to increase that engagement and give the users more of a feeling of support because you don't, you don't want them to like use wearable technology and think like that technology is replacing what they're currently doing. You want it to be as like more of a complement to what they should already be doing. So I think that's very powerful. And um, before we end the interview, I kind of want to give you an opportunity to talk about um, Digital Salutum. So that's your company. So I want to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about that and kind of, um, what that is as well. Oh, yeah. So a digital solution actually it was created on the back of a failure of that uh, health tech uh, startup. It's a pure no. consulting company around thought leadership. I mean, it's my company, it's small, it's only three of us, but we um, we play globally, we work globally with healthcare brands, we create content and also we do a lot of market business development and offer consultancy in healthcare. So lead by myself, I have a big network and some expertise gained throughout the years. And that's what the business, um, I mean, that's what uh, Digital Salutum is all about, is about healthcare innovation and digital health, really. Uh, okay, so you really just work with um, a lot of healthcare companies on how they can improve their healthcare technology offers? Yeah, or they enter new markets, or they uh, actually um, communicate their message because we also offer some influencer marketing uh, services and and um, social media engagement. I've been doing lots of different things, engaging with content, engaging at events. The last year was actually really good for me because I started to work with some large 
uh, technology uh, players, some large companies that, of course, have an interest in healthcare, big tech brands. So we work with tech brands, helping them to understand the healthcare space. Mm, okay, that's awesome. That's interesting. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I actually reached out is because like you have such a large social media following like i feel like you understand influencer marketing and how to actually grow a following and i think that's super important for a lot of my listeners a lot of my followers who happen to be like health tech founders and um, people trying to grow a brand online and so um, as somebody who knows how to reach an audience and get a followers and build connections and build those relationships what sort of advice would you have for other entrepreneurs um, looking to grow their brand online Sure. Well, I think one of the things in business and in life that is extremely important is kind of having a bit a bit of a direction, but also a consistency. For example, I have 23 or 24,000 followers on Twitter, but it didn't happen overnight. I've been doing it for seven or eight years. I got about 17,000 on LinkedIn, but that's like a, it's nearly a decade of hard work. I joined LinkedIn in 2010 doing some corporate wellness, connecting with people and everything. I would say everything takes time. Be patient, be consistent and and connect with others. I mean, it seems very um, logical. Of course, I connect with you, you connect with me, but connect with other influences. I mean, uh, behind uh, an account is a person, even behind a big tech brand is a person mm-hmm. yeah, running a social media. I think that in early days really helped me because perhaps the community was a bit smaller, but I started to reach out to other influencers. I learned what they're doing, post some interesting content, don't self-promote too much. Even though I promote myself, I try to kind of have interesting content for the audience. But I publish your stuff, I publish good news, and then I publish a bit about me. So I have a combination of things, of the way we do things. And the way we do things, we can learn from others that... Uh, been on a path before and I think that's ex- extremely important it's a bit of a learning lesson really see the ones are successful the way they're doing and try to replicate that in your own way so that's what I would say mm, okay yeah one thing really stuck out to me when you're answering that is the consistency right um, another saying that sticks out is if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go together and I think that's really the power of influencer marketing because you're connecting with other like-minded individuals who may not be working on something exactly like you're working on, but with something similar. And so when you have those synergies and you find those like-minded individuals, you can definitely go a lot farther in what you're trying to do. And so my next question is like, I know a lot of healthcare entrepreneurs, like when they think of social media and they think of influencers, they think like, oh, I just have to have a lot of followers. Like I just have to do a lot of speaking engagements or whatever. But what is like the impact of actually having that following? And what sort of opportunities can you expect from actually focusing on trying to grow your brand online? Yeah, sure. Well, you reach a wider audience because people are online. I'll give you an example. I, I know I'm Portuguese, I'm based in UK for the last 20 years, but half of my following is US-based, which is kind of mm-hmm. incredible, you know, because healthcare is very big, but uh, 50% of my following is US. I, w- I would say, again, like the quality of the content, 
it, it's it's great because it creates opportunities. I mean, speaking engagements and consultancy, and also you attract um, brands that are doing uh, work in that space. But it, it's very powerful uh, the digital world, and certainly now with the with the COVID, the the major brands realize that everybody's adjusting, isn't it? So I think some of the influencers perhaps have a bit of an advantage because they they're doing the digital engagement for quite some time. I mean, do I do things? They have not changed much. Um, I'm not traveling at the moment as nobody else is, but I'm still doing my stuff online. And I mean, we're doing the podcast, but I'm doing my content and Twitter and blogs. And so it, it's important to kind of also have a bit of a dynamic strategy to reach people in different ways. So, and, and with others, as you mentioned, go together, go with others. Go, going with others is extremely important. Mm, okay, awesome, awesome. And I think that's a good way to end the main segment of the podcast. And we've been talking a lot about wearables and talking a lot about different technologies that are out there, but I want to end the interview on a little lighter exercise with something I call the rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you a set of questions and you just give me whatever answer you come up with. Okay. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite book of all time? My, sorry, you cut off there. My favorite. Oh, what is your favorite book of all time? Oh, well, good, good, good question. I'm not a big, a big, a big reader. Um, when I was younger, I read more. I used to read more. I'm not, I studied for a long time in UK, but I like a book that I've been, Kind of digesting, which is a bit of um, a business book about the 10x rule by Grant Cardone, which is about pushing your ability to do business, if you like. It's called the 10x rule. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. I never read it, but let me know how it is. Um, <laughs> number two, who is the most influential person in your life or career? Well, that's a, that's a difficult one because... Uh, we're talking about business and I'm talking, we're talking about career and improving and, but I think in here, uh, I'm going on my personal side, even though I'm influenced by many people on the business side, I follow a lot of the big Instagram influencers with millions of followers. I like sport, I like motivation, I like healthcare, I like, you know, I like the big <laughs> stuff. But in here, I'm going on my personal side. I think it was my grandmother. She's not alive anymore because she gave me my value-based my value based system and my, my values and my beliefs. So definitely my grandmother. Awesome, shout out to your grandmother. Um, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? Start of the new year, 2021. Well, <laughs> that's also a difficult one because I always have like big goals. I just work on my dreams and, you know, I always want to accomplish a lot. But I want, you know, I'm launching my new, YouTube channel, and I have this big vision to create a big channel in healthcare. Uh, make that successful is perhaps a big goal for 2021, but I have others, you know. I want to do some charity work, which is not possible at the moment because we can't travel. But I have a couple of things that I would like to accomplish in 2021, but perhaps the YouTube channel to be successful is the, the main one at, the, at present. Uh, got you, got you. Then last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Oh, I wish I was 20 again. That's, that's <laughs> for sure. That's, and know what I know today. But that's impossible, right? 
Yeah. You can't have 40, 40 years of life wisdom and be 20, uh, 20 years old. But I would say, um, let's see if I can do this kind of self-talk. I'm not self-talk because this is for the honest, for other people to learn and to digest. But um, I would try certainly more things more often, different things more often. For example, if you're talking about entrepreneurship, perhaps try do things in a different way, try different sectors, and and fail faster. <laughs> when you fail, you learn a lot what didn't work. So you're always closer to what's going to work. So the more you fail, it's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? Yeah. Because the more you fail, the more likely to be successful you are. So I would say file, 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 and and push yourself to file. Fail your way to success. You got to push yourself, kind of like that Grant Cardone 10x rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a perfect way to uh, end today's episode. I um, just want to thank you again for jumping on and just kind of sharing your journey, really, and your expertise in anything, everything, wearables. Um, but before we go, where could people connect with you, learn more about you? And uh, actually, what can people learn on your YouTube channel that you plan on starting? Yeah, so my first, my first name and last name, Joao Bukes, is my channel, Joao Bukes. And also, they can find me on Twitter, at Wearables Expert, or on LinkedIn. They're my three main uh, uh, platforms. LinkedIn is my name, Joao Bukes. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll be sure to include all of those resources, all those links in the resources. But with that being said, that ends today's episode. Catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.